My psychic senses are telling me that you are spiritually curious. I'm just kidding. If you found your way here, most likely <laughs> you are interested or curious about energy, the secrets of the universe, the magic of the unseen. There is a lot of conflicting information out there about how to tune into energy beings properly, how to build your intuition, how to cleanse things, yada, yada, yada. I know how overwhelming it can be, so I created a one-stop shop for all of your spiritually curious, psychic expansive self-care needs where you can build your own spiritual practice with guidance, tools, and a safe place to explore your curiosities and connect to your intuition. There's a ton of crash courses covering topics ranging from meeting your spirit guides to trans-channeling to manifesting. You get distance Reiki healings for a wide range of needs, such as moving through discomfort or support stepping into a new chapter or even help calling in creativity. Subscribers get 15% off all full-price services, a monthly group Zoom hangout where the weird is our normal. There are exclusive channeling videos, expansive conversations, guided meditations, movement meditations, weekly reflections, intuitive practices, this podcast, ad-free and as a video, and so much more. New content is uploaded every week, so there's constantly new stuff for you to learn from, digest, and various practices to keep you grounded in your body. And all of this, might I add is only $7 per month. So if you're ready to align to your best self and show up as your inner being, a priceless investment in yourself, you can head over to channelwithamber.com slash subscribe to give it a peek. I'll see you over there. Hello, my friends. Welcome back to Diary of a Psychic Medium with me, Amber Amrine. Today, we have my beautiful friend Ava Gordy on for a very deep and just open-ended conversation about many topics. I hope it feels like a safe place for you to explore thoughts and emotions that are both wonderful as well as heavy. Excited for you to listen. Here we go. <laughs> Ava Gordy is a dance educator, choreographer, and tarot reader based in New York City. They are a fluid shapeshifter, ever evolving into whatever moves them next. They can be found teaching live ballet classes every Sunday on TikTok at Ava underscore Gordy. Highly recommend. Ah, their ballet classes feel so good for the soul. Great for if you're looking to explore movement. Highly recommend. I met Ava through dance many years ago. We have worked together for a very long time, um, but I feel like it wasn't until recently that we started becoming a lot closer and talking about spirituality and stuff. Ava is a very natural, talented, intuitive that just kind of fell into this fairly recently so we have a nice conversation about just how awkward it is kind of exploring your spiritual development we discuss dance dance has played a huge role in how both of us go about the world and um it's shaped us a lot both in challenging ways and in very positive ways we talk about dreams astral travel processing energy fear in relationships i do want to give a bit of a heads up around the hour 15 minute mark we do talk about 
suicide and suicidal urges, I really want to open up a conversation about that because I feel like there's a lot of weight on that topic. It's very taboo and unless we talk about it now and start fighting against that taboo, that weird societal, cultural, religious weight that is on that topic, I don't feel like we can, as a collective, really move past it. So I wanted to open up the conversation. Again, just want to give you a heads up because I know it can be a sensitive topic. Um, I try to approach it in a way that is um, not so serious and heavy, but rather like, let's just talk about it. It's all good. We're human. Things happen. We have urges and we go through weight and you know what I'm saying? So yeah, but nonetheless, I hope you enjoy the conversation. Here we go. <laughs> Hello, friend. How are you? Hi. <laughs> good. How are you? I'm good. Is there anything you would like to talk about today? I have topics oh, if not, but if there's anything you open. want. <laughs> it's, it's I over. figure if Darren was like, my partner was like, what are you going to talk about? And I was like, I'm sure Amber's got some crazy shit I've never even thought to talk about <laughs> on some list that I'm ready for. <laughs> um, I didn't have anything in specific, but I did call my guides in. I was like, y'all, like, I felt like I needed to have clarity in whatever we were talking about. And I didn't necessarily know what we were going to say, but... I just wanted it to be very like honest, fluid, and not like overzealous and chaotic, which I can be sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I have a question for you. Hmm. How? Okay, so we both have dance backgrounds and we've talked about this before. How has dance helped? and hindered your spiritual development or your like investment your journey forth hmm. this is a really interesting question because just today i ambulance is not sure if it's an emergency <laughs> so just today i was watching this series like on tiktok about how your dance moves tell a lot about like what chakras are like blocked and what is feeling really like free and floaty and I was remembering this time in dance where improv movements scared the fuck out of me I would be like super uncomfortable just experimenting with movement and letting myself get funky and weird with it and now I'm like I don't care at all and I wonder if it was like dance that triggered that shift or spirituality that triggered that shift but I did do a lot of like work on improv and myself feeling like it was helping me ground myself and also like listen to my intuition at the same time so it was very like this feeling of just me being able to like fluidly move from from one to the next and not feel so blocked mm -hmm. in my body when did that shift happen 
Hmm. That was probably like 2018, 2019, mm. um, when I started just doing improv in my house. Like this mm. was before the pandemic because I felt really com more comfortable doing it without anybody watching me. Um, and then I think I did a couple of like, I did so many modern classes and improv-based movement exercises and I would always just make fun of it. I was like, this feels stupid. Like, what are we doing here? What's a ball of energy and like passing it around. Whereas now I, I would give that exercise. I'd be like, you have a ball of energy. <laughs> so it is really interesting how, the, how big of a shift happened, but it definitely took me being in my own space, feeling safe, in my body before I was able to explore that with other people. Like dance is such a collaborative yeah. experience. And so that always scared me to be vulnerable. How has it hindered? How has it hindered? Oh, that's interesting. Can you start? <laughs> sure. In like competition dance, especially, cause that's what I grew up in you have to look a certain way, like you have to follow the rules. And while it is collaborative, there's almost like not room for complete individual expression. And at the same time, there's a constant recorrecting, like, am I doing this properly? Do I have these steps right? Like, how can I do this better? Rather than like honoring where you are and like, it, it's not as, artistic of an expression I feel like and naturally with a lot of professional dancers I feel like we tend to be perfectionists as a result and I think especially with spirituality that's something that you really have to release because having an obsessive focus on like this is has like abc blah 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 like this is the steps to do this and I need to make sure I do it perfectly is not is not <laughs> the way it goes um I and I think I recently let that go <laughs> yeah I, th I think that's probably the thing that stayed with me the longest and what I've had to like move through the most mm -hmm. oh that's very relatable because obviously I grew up mostly doing ballet so different from competition but still as strict and technique based and <laughs> perfect till you die like it's always what we're working toward and being a teacher especially it's like I want to make sure that I'm facilitating people not in a way that's like you're never going to be good enough but in a way that's like we're ever evolving and expanding and hopefully that's a fun journey but I think when I was a teenager growing up it was just like no like this isn't good enough try it again mm -hmm. not good enough try it again and I took that into my spiritual journey for sure at the beginning of it I was like oh if I just master boom 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 I'm gonna live amazing life from like 30 on because it's gonna take a couple of years and then I'm gonna get it <laughs> no <laughs> not so much yeah it's really interesting I feel like I feel like for me, the shift happened in 2020, I think because we could not take dance classes. Everything was online. You were in your own 
bubble. Nobody was forcing you to do anything. There were no gigs. There was nothing, you know, and I feel like it allowed me to really tune into the artistry of movement and how I it's like making me fall in love with dance again. And from that point forward, my whole focus or approach to dance completely shifted from being like, okay, let me match this movement. Like, you know, it's like, no, I'm just going to do it a fuck. And I feel like even the gigs or the, I don't know, my journey after that was still more about that. Like with Samba, there's a lot of freestyle and like interaction. And I'm more interested in like interacting with people and creating a special moment rather than us all looking the same, you know? Yes, totally. And that is definitely frowned upon. I don't know if it still is that culture for youth growing up in dance now, but that was very much the culture of just like copy paste. You don't want to look too different from the person next to you. Like it's very important that we all look the same. Um, And that definitely just, you don't even realize that it's closing you off to creativity and accepting yourself for as you are because you're just like oh this is what we're supposed to be this is what we're supposed to be doing I'm just supposed to look like this person and this person (laughs) right here right here and not myself which is weird yeah how did you get into spirituality what's your story there okay okay um I wonder if it was you like Subtly, I think during the pandemic, I discovered your mediumship page and I was like, whoa, Mm. (laughs) whoa. (laughs) And this was something like we had worked together a bunch. We've talked about this a lot where you weren't very, you weren't very open about it, which is totally fine. That's your own prerogative. But I didn't have any idea that that was a thing. And so when I dived into that, I was like, oh okay amber's like really deep in it let's let's dip my toes in and just see what this is like um and then at the same time is that i had always known i was a capricorn like this was something that i just and i was like oh that doesn't fit me like i don't get it astrology is so weird like (laughs) whatever um and then somebody i think it was like on TikTok probably somebody like an astrologer came up and was talking about like the whole chart and knowing your big three and like all of these buzzwords that I had no idea what any of that meant and see (laughs) fun and fresh um so I think I did my full chart on like a free website which was pretty groundbreaking because it broke down every single like transit house placement whatever and I was like oh this is fucking reading me to filth like literally I felt so attacked (laughs) by the whole chart and I can (laughs) sense like that I was just really fighting against it because I was like no ain't no way that's me um and this was also when I had lost a really dear friend and there was so many layers to what I was reading about like kind of being obsessed with my relationships and kind of putting everything into my relationships with others and like not having a lot of room for myself and my own growth and I was like (laughs) 
yeah, okay, like, what do I do with this information now? Um, and so that was just like a drop in the pond, those two things, both you and TikTok and kind of finding my way into the spiritual side of TikTok and human design was a big thing as well. Um, but yeah, you, wow. your podcast. <laughs> <laughs> what has been the like hardest thing for you to wrap your head around in terms of what's interesting is you are very like intuitive I don't know I feel like you're starting to like totally like sit sit into that and embrace mm -hmm. that now but it always tripped me out because you would when we talk about stuff you'd be like oh I don't know like I don't want to tap it it's like you're already tapping it <laughs> like I already feel your energy is already there what has been um I don't know I guess the most unusual part of like s stepping into all of this Hmm. Um, that's a good question. I think there are things that I inadvertently like fight against. Um, a lot of like physical like manifestations of spirit, I, I fight against it. Um, I did those workshops with you and Chelsea and I remember being just like, like I wanted it so bad, but at the same time, like we would go into visualizations and I'd be like, no, <laughs> so, like, I'm fighting myself in a lot of ways and same with like aliens. And like, so there's a couple of things that feel esoteric that I want to dive into. And I just feel like there's something internal that's like, I don't trust it. I don't know why, but I don't trust myself with it. I don't trust what I'm seeing. I don't trust what I'm feeling. And that is, has been really hard to like move through because I don't feel, mm -hmm. I feel very earth. My chart is ruled a lot of, like by a lot of earth. So I am very grounded inherently. And so it's really hard for me to be like, okay, yeah, let me just trust that. <laughs> you know, it just feels mm -hmm. counterintuitive to my nature. Yeah. Which makes sense, especially with that stuff. It's like, that stuff can get weird. That <laughs> That's good to hear from you, because I always feel like you're like, what? That's not weird. <laughs> <laughs> That's completely normal. <laughs> have you had, have you had experiences with ETs or no? No. Okay. Are you comfortable with ghosts? Is it just like the weirder stuff or is it just like energy beings in general? I want to say yes, but I do feel like I'm not completely vibing. <laughs> I just distinctly remember like earlier on in this journey, having that experience with that. I had a, like a little girl show up um, in my dream and it felt like, like she was definitely passed on. And, and that was like the one and only time this has happened. And I feel like there was some, that was some kind of test. Like, are they ready for this? Like, are, are they into this? I don't know. And I do feel like I was kind of like, ah. <laughs> and I talked to you about it just to like, <laughs> 
try and get like some clarity on it. But I do think at the same time, I was still like, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know about that yet. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's so interesting. There's such an interesting like duality. Because again, as we talk about this, it's like energetically, it's like, I feel you. And they're like all there. And I was thinking about even when you connected to my great grandma, Dorothy, you know, and how easy it was. It's just so interesting. But then when you talk about it, you're like, no, but then your like energy's like, yes. <laughs> bring, bring it on, bring them in. It's very confusing for me living with this. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm like, what do you want? Like, what are we doing here? Because every like mediumship thing we've done together, um, where like we've done workshops and I've like read for people, I've fully done it and I've, fully connected to me and they're like yes you've got everything right and I'm like great <laughs> but it still feels not like aligned with me yet I don't know if it's just a journey I'm on and it's gonna take longer than I want it to mm. or if I just have to decide and like flip a switch yeah what do you feel like it is I'm kind of jealous like I know that So, okay, we've had a bunch of conversations and you grew up with this shit. And that was like huge in your development to becoming a medium. And I also have talked with a friend here that I made who isn't a medium, but has had multiple experiences when they were a kid. Um, and just vividly remembers so many details, has seen their grandfather pass away and like saw spirits in the room when that happened just all of these things I'm like I never experienced that I don't remember ever seeing ghosts or being spoken to or like communicated with and so I'm I always am like maybe it wasn't meant for me like I'm like wouldn't I have have times back when I was a kid if I was like meant to be a medium or really like dive into this world deeper um and I don't know I don't know that that's true but I do feel like it just came to me recently and now I'm like oh I guess this is a thing that I could cultivate and understand better but at the same time I'm like jealous like I wish I had years of experience I feel like your experience though is more through other methods that perhaps you were not aware of. Like going back to the idea of movement, I think it's a very, like we've been moving since like ancient times, you know what I'm saying? Like it's a huge part of human nature in terms of just like understanding things. It's very tied to like <clears throat> rituals and worship and stuff like that. There's something just very innately like spiritual about it it's it's like an embodiment you're moving energy through your body and I feel like a lot of dancers tend to be very intuitive naturally just because we've learned or we've been trained to really be present in the body and like listen to little nuances or even like if you're dancing with a group like just being aware of the whole collective and like moving within that you know what I'm saying so I feel like you have had that those experiences but it's been more through embodiment rather than like intuitive or like mental sensing, you know? Yeah, yeah, for sure. I have, um, this is my last semester 
at school. And so it's, I have like a senior project that I'm doing and we pick essentially any topic we want. And I was thinking about it and I've decided that um, I want to work with the Eastern religions professor that I had before. And I want to explore like how, especially with Eastern religions, like the movements, there's so much meaning behind the movements. And I want to explore like how that came to be or why that is. And then I want to explore how perhaps the movements that we naturally do in a way represents like how we're feeling or our own beliefs about the world and ourselves. You know what I'm saying? Mm. And I'm not sure where I'm going with this. I'm just following a trail. Um, but what I think is interesting is I feel like you and I have very different backgrounds, but we move very similarly. Um, mm -hmm. And I think the idea of perhaps movement being an expression of like how our body interacts with the world, you know, I feel like we have a similar way of interacting in a way, you know, and I think that also like further goes into that where it's like, I had a lot of external interactions. You may not have, but I feel like you were still interacting. Hmm. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, I'll honor that. I believe that. I definitely have always felt extremely empathic um, and intuitive. I grew up with um, my sister who has a severe physical and mental illness and she can't talk. So that was very like, I felt like her, like I was like channeling her energy to try and like communicate with my parents on her behalf. Um, and now I sense that with like my dogs even. I'm like, mm -hmm. I can tell when they're like saying something, like I can just hear it almost. So I know that I do have like that sense that's been really strong my whole life, which feels cool. <laughs> yeah which I'm like thank you <laughs> <laughs> and I think you have that too for mm -hmm. sure okay I feel the need to share this I had the worst nightmare last night I had the worst mm. nightmare last night. Uh, okay so I was at the house that I grew up in and that house was very haunted I had a dream last night where I was at the house I grew up in. Oh, how weird. Really weird. I wonder if we had any other similarities. I hope you, I hope not because this dream sucked. <laughs> but um, <laughs> so it was the house I grew up in. I was an adult. My dad was there and Kylie Jenner was there. <laughs> Is that why it was terrible? <laughs> with, <laughs> with, uh, one of her kids. Does she have one? Does she have two? I have no idea. Stormy and Air. Okay. There's just one, <laughs> one of them. There's a knock at the door. So I looked through the peephole and it was some man in this like giant dog costume, like a mascot, you know? So I put the like security chain on the door and I opened it to be like, hey, there's a celebrity here we can't have strangers coming in the house like please go and he started pushing on the door trying to open it and I was like oh my god 
And so my dad came to help like close it, but he was really like fighting. Somehow the chain got undone and he came inside of the house, took the dog helmet off and started like attacking us. Kylie and her daughter went somewhere. I don't know what happened. From this point forward, they were gone. (laughs) They left. But my dad and I were like fighting this man. And then all of a sudden this little girl came in and she started like, taunting us then she turned into this like demonic being and then like her whole her whole appearance changed and then all of a sudden 12 other kids that looked the same as this like demonic being started all coming in one by one and they were attacking us they had acid vomit um they were crawling up the walls it was a whole thing and like my dad and I were fighting for our lives and they were also doing this weird psychological manipulation and they had this ability to like make us all feel like the same being so then my dad and I would get confused as to what was going on and who we were it was awful um finally I decided to strangle one of them so I strangled one of the kids and I threw them outside and then the other ones (laughs) other ones were like oh I want to get strangled so then they lined up it's terrible I started to get one and I would would strangle them and then I'd throw them outside and so I was doing that until we got through all of them I don't know what happened to the guy at this point I think he he left um but so then there were like all of these dead demon children on the front lawn I called 911 and for some reason they were doing this like program where people in the community could like help take calls so I called and this one guy answered and he was trying to go on a date or something he's like oh just meet me like down the street and I was like no I'm having an emergency so I hung (laughs) up and I called this other guy and this guy was like oh are you sure it's an emergency sometimes things feel really big but they're not and I was like there are 13 dead demon children on my fucking lawn (laughs) get me help immediately (laughs) so then the police finally came and we looked outside and their bodies formed this circle around the tree in the front yard but it was almost like their bodies were like sinking in So the ground that the tree was on started rising and they were just in this circle. And I was scared that they were, because they obviously weren't dead. So they're just going to like reanimate, you know? So I called the police. The police finally got there and they were investigating. And once the police got there, something happened and the kids started like going back to their normal, like human form. And they were fine. They started waking up and were like, what the heck's going on? Except for the first girl. The first girl came in and like started like taunting us again and was like sticking her tongue. I don't know. I think when she was a demon, she had this like weird snake tongue. So she was like, oh, remember I had like this tongue? And I was like, get her away from here. Like pull her. (laughs) away I'm trying Um, to forget (laughs) and then and then um the ending was so sad god and then at the end one of it was like one of the girls that had been possessed she's maybe like six or seven and her parents had sent her to this camp um at sea it was like some some sort of like you're a week on a ship or something like that and there were all these little kids laughing and having a great time And then it panned over to the girl and it was basically expressing the effects of trauma, how it's like 
she's very young, but it's like her innocence is gone now and she feels scared. And then it panned over and I saw myself at that age and it zoomed in on my face and it was kind of the same thing. Like, even though I wasn't possessed, it was still, I heard this voice over that was like, once a kid has gone through trauma, they just can't experience joy the same way. And then it ended and I was like, what the hell was this? Weird. Yeah. Super weird and long. It was very long. Multi-layered. The thing that really stuck out to me was sometimes it feels like an emergency, but it's not. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was very interesting to me as yeah, well. Yeah, like why? I wonder what that means. And I think there are multiple layers to it because one, I feel like sometimes when we feel like we are in danger, and we're not receiving the help we need, it almost amplifies the panic and makes it feel even larger rather than taking control. Because I was also thinking about it when I woke up and it's like, with any kind of demon, you just have to tell them to go away. Mm -hmm. And they do, you know? Mm -hmm. And I feel like perhaps- Did you have to choke out every individual? (laughs) (laughs) I know. (laughs) When I made that decision, they all fell in line very quickly that is interesting they're like yep all right if this is your method we'll go (laughs) you could just say go (laughs) (laughs) if this makes you feel better (laughs) that's pretty wild okay I really also need to tell you just because you pseudo appeared in this dream that I had last night And I don't know if it was because you were on my brain because of today, but I was at my childhood home and I was in my bed, but I was awake and everybody else was asleep. And there was like a lot of people over. It felt like extended family were over or something. And all of these little tarantulas were all over me, like scuttling along my legs and stuff. And in the dream, I was just like, just remember Amber, these spiders are no big deal. And so like, instead of freaking myself out, I was like, what would Amber do? Amber would just be like, pretty cool spiders. (laughs) And so I was like channeling your fucking energy through this dream, able to remember you and how you would react and then like calm myself down through the dream, which was pretty crazy. Oh, that's so interesting. Yeah, I mean, a bunch of shit happened, but it wasn't that crazy. <laughs> but the spider bit is what I really remembered. See, I feel like I should have embodied that in my dream. What was I doing? I was just panicking. I should have. Like, what would Amber do <laughs> with the demons? <laughs> it, it, it was really weird. I told my friend about it and she was like, wow, you have like control in your dreams. So I was like, yeah. I think I've, like, been working on that. Mm. Do you lucid dream a lot? I don't think so, though I don't really know, like, what it would look like if I did. Am I supposed to be, like, in my own home when that happens? I don't know. What do you mean, like, in your dream? I feel like I'm just aware sometimes. Like, I'll be able to use tools that I know about 
from my mm. life to like change or alter a situation. And I feel like we've talked about this where I had a dream about, I think it was like a huge bear was like coming to attack me. And I was like, you're actually just a bird. Oh yeah. I remember you said that. And I, and it morphed into a bird and I was like, fuck yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm like, is that lucid dreaming? <laughs> I don't think so. I think I'm just like, I'm better than you. <laughs> have you tried to lucid dream I've like listened to meditations like lucid dreaming meditations before I fall asleep um and I don't know that they've worked I've definitely done visualizations where I've like been laying down I've like gotten out of my body I've like walked down my steps and I've just been in my living room but I was never I never fell asleep and then continued that. Oh, I see. So I would just be awake having a visualization. Oh, I see what you're saying. Is that something you do frequently? Lucid dream? Mm-hmm. Um, not so much anymore. There was a time where Rashad and I used to, like before bed, set the intention to meet up at like a specific planet. That was more of like an astral travel into like lucid dreaming kind of thing um where we would be yeah like present there and then our energies would continue there have been times because when Rashad goes to sleep his energy is one that travels a lot like there was literally a time I was getting I think it was he's on east coast time um and so it was earlier over here and he just like popped in and I was like um excuse me (laughs) I'm trying to get like ready for bed I need my privacy um so his energy just will pop in sometimes so we tried to start focusing it on specific planets and then the next day we would talk about what we remembered from it I have done a little bit of lucid dreaming it's not something that I do too much because I think I prefer astral traveling not that they're the same thing but I feel like a little similar in a way I, when I heard about both of these things, I was like hyper like obsessed with them. I feel like mm-hmm. I was doing meditations like every night trying to astral project and lucid dream. And I was really interested in it, but it never quite came to fruition. Like I couldn't quite get there. Mm. You know, this is kind of a running theme. <laughs> Where, like, I can't quite like, I don't know what it is that's fucking blocking my ass. Is it a control thing? Needing to understand the house or like what it looks like? I did a, um, I did an Akashic Records meditation. Have you done one of those? No, I don't really resonate with the Akashic Records. Okay. Um, I did, I was vibing. (laughs) I was like, (laughs) I was somewhere Um, and I had very specific guides with me including a frog which now I just feel like is always like I have a a frog around oh interesting (laughs) oh hold on keep going I'll go back (laughs) okay Um, and the frog was fully talking to me Uh, he's like a big bullfrog and I just felt like he was my spirit guide there I had like envisioned this whole place I'm I'm very good at like visualization meditations and kind of creating my own world and 
maybe it's not even creating my own world. Maybe it's a world that actually already exists. That's what I always kind of assume about it. Um, but I'm not, I'm never like asleep. Like, are you asleep when you astral travel? No, with astral traveling, um, I'm in a meditative state, but I'm not asleep. Okay. I mean, you can be because for those where it's like astral travel to then almost like lucid dream or, you know, like with those, then my body will fall asleep and I'll just be out. My energy will be on that planet. But if I'm astral traveling, it's almost the same as bilocating. I can be here, but my energy can be on the other side of the room looking at me, talking to you mm-hmm. at the same time, you know? Could, couldn't you do that? Like just right now, just. Yeah. I'm doing it currently. So like same. Yeah. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> That's goofy. Um, see? And there's like a bunch of things like that where I'm like, that's too goofy. Like, <laughs> that's just too goofy. I don't know why. When I was a kid, I used to like to check my outfit to see if it looked right. I would literally do that. Interesting. I got to implement that more. That's a good idea. Mm-hmm. And I feel like it's um, good practice. Yeah, because it's not as hard. Yeah. Like I'm right there. Mm-hmm. I'm just like right in front. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <Just put> myself <laughs> staring at me. Um, for like astral travel, I've never thought to like go to another planet. That's not really where right. my head has ever gone. I'm always just like, let me just explore my house. Like I haven't. <laughs> I'm like not. I don't know if I'm afraid. Um, I also don't know, like, do you know the names of these planets that you're going to? Or are you just trusting that? Well, they're not all named because they're... In other galaxies. <laughs> yeah. Right. What is nice confirmation is when you do it with somebody, like with Rashad, if we would go to the same place in the morning, we talk about what we saw, how we interacted, and then it's like, ah, confirmation. Okay, interesting. But you... What what if you go somewhere just by yourself you feel like there's that's not enough confirmation it is no I mean for me it is but sometimes for people that doesn't feel like enough so sometimes it's nice having another person with you just to clarify things because especially uh when you first do it it feels very imaginative you know and then it's like well how much am I just making up but when you have another person that it's like oh okay you just need a little bit of confirmation and then you can start trusting it more interesting yeah I like would love to do that yeah if you want I'm totally down let's fuck around (laughs) (laughs) do you like set a place that you're you're both like let's go here or is it just kind of like wherever the wind blows us Um, I think we did set a place interesting and is it like but you don't name it you just like let's go yes here (laughs) (laughs) correct we would so we would go to a planet in the Pleiades and I think what happened is we just picked we're just like okay let's just go to some planet energetically we'll just agree while we're there 
once we go there, we start seeing the landscape of stuff. If there's like some sort of asteroid, then it's like, oh, cool, let's go here. Or in talking about it, we realize that our energies naturally went there together. And then we like, you know what I'm saying? So then you start getting more of a map because then you're experiencing more there. It's like a video game. Yeah. It's like as you go further into the world, the, the map expands. Exactly. Yeah. Okay. Going back to the idea of the frog. I've been, especially lately, I've been um, really resonating with frogs. I'm not sure why. But when you're talking, and I feel like us wearing green feels like this is also. That is true. uh, This amplified my desire to share this. When I was a kid, I used to hear this really strange sound all the time very like I could hear it It was very audible I don't even know it was like this weird popping sound it was a very specific sound and every time I heard it be like what the hell is that is something in the room is it like a bug what is it because it's very loud and it happens all the time wherever I heard it I'd run over there and try to see if I could see something if it was physical or energetic so one time I heard it behind my door so I ran over to the door and I opened it um, and on the floor was this little toy frog it was like this little plastic frog So I always correlated that sound with frogs and I never understood what it was, what it meant, because it came in at random times. And as an adult, I will still hear it very, very, very rarely. Before, it would probably happen like five times a week or something like that, like my entire childhood. And then once I grew up, then it probably only happens once every six to eight months. It's very rare. Um, But especially lately, I've been resonating with frogs. And I've had a lot of people tell me lately that they correlate me with frogs. If they see a weird frog thing, they send it to me. And it's weird because I haven't really vocalized that. It's just kind of happened, Hmm. you know? Interesting. Yeah. It was definitely like, it was, I mean, over the holidays where I was watching a, a tarot reading and, and um, she was just like, for some reason, I'm getting a visual of Kermit the Frog. Um, and then after that, I went downstairs and I noticed my stepmom had a Kermit the Frog lamp. And I was like, I've mm-hmm. never even looked at this before. Like, I've never even registered that that's what this is. And then we went antiquing. And I saw a Kermit the Frog ornament. I was like, this is like the next day. I was like, this is crazy. <laughs> what the fuck's going on? And then I was reading a book and it said specifically Kermit the Frog in it. And I was like, what the fuck's going on? <laughs> this is wild. And this is like way after I had that um, Akashic Records meditation with the bullfrog. It felt really like tied to him, but he was huge. He was like, fucking this big (laughs) and he didn't look like Kermit the Frog he was like a full huge bullfrog but there must be some kind of connection there. there's something that feels um very abundant fertile about the frog energy it's weird too because for a lot of the things that I experience, I'm usually able to at some point gain clarity. I mean, obviously, we're not supposed to know everything always because it's almost like a slow progression. 
But that's one thing that I have never been able to figure out who this frog thing was, what the noise was, what it meant. Like that is one thing that's always been this consistent mystery. But the energy of the frog or the idea of a frog feels very fertile and very abundant. There's something that feels very playful and like childlike about it. And the idea that I keep getting is transformation. It's almost like kissing, kissing a frog and it turning into something, you know, Mm -hmm. I want to Google what frogs mean in other cultures. I think that is what that tarot um, person said. Oh yeah. Frogs represent wealth, abundance, ancient wisdom, rebirth, and good luck. Fascinating. Huh. Some, yeah, something feels interesting about it. And I don't yeah. know what it is, but it feels like like a blanket, like a blanket of green fog, but not in a bad way. It's comforting. As I inhale it, it has nutrients hmm. that I'm absorbing. I do feel like it also has something to do with a leap of faith. Leaping, like just taking mm. risks. That's what I equated to as well. I feel like that is where abundance comes as well. Yeah. It's like mm-hmm. a trigger point. Whenever there's something like this that happens, I want to like embody it immediately. <laughs> and I don't know if that's a problem. <laughs> like I probably <laughs> need to just like let it happen, but it's always this fire that it's like, great, let's leap. <laughs> Are you ready? <laughs> For sure. And then it's like, well, what should I leap to? Maybe I'll try this. But then you're like, am I just forcing it because I saw that thing? Like, and now I'm Mm. desperate to figure something out. I feel like that's perhaps where I think that fire is supposed to be embodied. It's supposed to be embodied. You're supposed to sit into it, but let it lead you. Almost as if you were like, doing an acting exercise like an improv thing you know where you let the character I don't know I guess just lead your choices yeah instead of you trying to hyperanalyze like why exactly or like lead the scene a certain way like oh inform that's the word let the character inform the choices I struggle with that for sure um like getting getting something that feels like really intuitive and then just letting it get out of hand because I overanalyze it, hyper obsessed with what it means and like, what is the test behind it? Mm. And is there a test? I'm always like, I don't know if I'm (laughs) just obsessed with tests, taking tests, passing the test, Mm. but I always want to pass and I feel like I'm doing that with my life quite a bit in every area. I'm like, is my relationship a test? Is my job a test? Is like me going to school, like, is that a test? Do tests excite you or is it almost like you're worried about not passing the test? So you just want to ensure that you approach it from a place where you do pass it just so that you can control that. I actually feel like I want to know if it's a test to know if there is like an ending. If there is like a completion 
or if it's just an ongoing thing that is never going to end. Um, so I'm kind of always ready for an ending, no matter like what we're talking about. <laughs> like, you know, especially as someone who grew up like wanting to be a ballerina, I was kind of like, okay, so what's the test? Like the test is you're gonna be a professional, but you're not gonna be able to do this the rest of your life. So there's an ending that's going to happen. And the test is just make sure that you get as far as you can get before you stop, you know? And so I'm always like looking like to everything, like, well, what's the ending to this? Where did, when did that start? Maybe my parents divorce, doesn't it always? Mm. <laughs> I'm like, there was a big ending. How old were you? I was 11, 10. Oh, we were near the same age. I think my parents divorced when I was 11. It's interesting how much big dynamics shifts like that affect our development so much. But I feel like it's probably just the way that we culturally tend to approach it. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Because it doesn't have to be this like big traumatic ending. How do you, just with your experience growing up, how has that like affected your relationships? <laughs> <laughs> this is therapy now, Amber. <laughs> um, I, 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 I think going into like my first like real relationship, um, I was very blindly optimistic because I just figured I'm not like my parents at all. Like, I'm not gonna be like this. It's not gonna go this way. Um, and I was in a very toxic relationship. So uh, <laughs> it was like blind optimism meets this like really not a great relationship that I should leave. And I didn't make the decision. Luckily it was made for me mm. that he left me because I think I would have gone all in to prove a point. Mm. Like I was like, I didn't want kids and he would really talk me into it. And I'd be like, okay, maybe, all right. Just to keep this going. Like, I don't want to end. I don't want it to end. So like obsessively focused on keeping it alive. Whereas now, like my current relationship, I've actually come to terms pretty heavily with the fact that I'm just like my parents <laughs> in a lot of regards and seeing how their relationship fell apart and how they're not even friends anymore, um, how they can't even speak to each other. I almost feel this like imminent disaster coming for me you know so even though like I'm in a really healthy and happy relationship now I have this like deep-seated fear that like there's one day where we won't even be speaking to each other and there's going to be an ending one day it's just like implanted like there's no way out of that you know and I can't know if that's true obviously I have no control over that 
But I feel like you do have control. Yeah. I do want to ask you. Mm -hmm. What if you feel inherently like something's going to end? Just like always. You're just like, this is going to end one day. This is going to end one day. I just feel it. Is that like anxiety? Is that intuition? Is that unable? Are you not supposed to know? So I think it depends on, it depends on how the message comes forward. Um, If, so the difference between anxiety and intuition, anxiety is very fear-based. When you receive a message, there's usually a fear response behind it or some sort of emotional, it triggers some sort of emotional response. With intuition, if you receive an intuitive message, even if it's heavy, there's something very unemotional and matter of fact about it that like weighs in your gut. It doesn't feel heavy. It just is this very matter of fact seed. Um, Whereas an anxiety informed idea is going to create some sort of discomfort in the body. Um, One thing that I have felt a lot since I've been with my current partner is I kept like since the beginning have felt like, oh, this is temporary. And then I realized that I go, I go through a death and then it's like, oh, that part of, it was temporary for that part of my soul that was present. Mm So I feel like endings don't always mean what I think we think they mean, you know, because sometimes it could be that it's just a part of you that is dying. Um, but I also feel like, like we are always in control. One, the future is not set. We can always renegotiate soul contracts, blah, blah, blah. But as we go through things, like we're in control of how we react and how we approach any kind of situation. You know what I'm saying? So I think sometimes there are things that do need to happen for our development, you know, but the way that they feel is very much up in the air like in regards to like a separation where you're not talking or so it's like that is a that is a decision that you make you know yeah or the other person makes like I feel like yeah. my mom is was not the one mm. to want to stop communicating and so it's like you know I I do feel like you know in my current relationship that there have been many like endings of how we relate to each other. So mm-hmm. we've had multiple like breakups, <laughs> not mm-hmm. full breakups, but then getting back together where it feels like a death and a rebirth. And, you know, I used to like look at that, like that's weird. That's like, you're not meant to be together. If that's something that's going to happen, But I do think that inherently I'm like, I'm looking for the ending, but I need to understand that the ending is always kind of, there's always like an ending. And if, if there's a way to like shift out of the ending into the beginning, like more seamlessly and less reactive Mm. in this way, it's like, Oh, it's the end of the world. Like Mm. it's not, it can just evolve and grow in a new way. And if it's not meant to, it's not meant to. Um, but I think like looking at my parents, I'm just so like, I have a fear Mm -hmm. of like losing somebody and losing a connection. Mm -hmm. They were together like 18 years. 
Mm. Oh my God. And I saw a TikTok recently. There was this woman and she was like, I spent 17 years with the wrong partner. And just like the way she was talking about it, I was like, damn, I was reading all these comments. She was like, yeah, I was in it 16 years too long. And I was like, how, how is that possible? <laughs> how can you, one, treat yourself that way? Mm-hmm. Really look back at like a relationship you had for that long and be like, I, I made a mistake for 16 years of that time. Yeah. I feel like, I mean, if she was with them for that long, that wasn't an accident. It's just like, oops. Oh no. (laughs) You know, it's like there was a, there was a choice there and we tend to put our attention to things that we feel we are deserving of. So I think it was probably absolutely in an, in alignment with where she was and she's broken through that and is now a different, like, it's like a rebirth, you know? And so that partnership is no longer in alignment with her, but I mean, yeah, I just think it's crazy how people can speak about relationships that they've had for a long time and just kind of be like, You yeah, know? that's a long time. I always thought it was weird how, like, even with my parents, like, how can you go from loving each other so much to just, like, never talking again? That's a concept that I've always thought was so peculiar. But then I've gone through that. And I feel like while I feel like I am open for communication, but the other people are not, which I understand because that's coming from a place of, of pain and hurt, you know? Um, And I also feel like, I feel like we tend to, I mean, it seems to be changing now, but for a while we tend to run from things that make us uncomfortable, which makes sense. It's a survival mechanism, you know, but I feel like allowing ourselves the opportunity to just like, I don't know, almost like even celebrate, like a, a parting of it's almost like a graduation of sorts because there's obviously a lot that you would have learned with a person like why can't you it's like a with funerals I don't like the concept of like like a hyper focus on the fact that they're leaving in the U.S. Yeah. you know like I prefer cultures that have like celebrations of the life and stuff like that yes like why can't we just like celebrate more why do we have to like hyper focus on the pain or like run away from the pain or it's only reserved for certain things like Mm -hmm. yeah things are uncomfortable it's weird this is a weird thing but let's talk about it and like just be present for a moment you know yeah yeah but that's definitely easier said than done when it's happening in the moment I feel like you definitely would need two people that are emotionally mature enough to hold those conversations yeah and that also goes into just being like brave enough to sit in the discomfort and not let your emotions take control but just understand that you are having a reaction to something and it's not like it is not necessarily the truth it's just an experience Mm -hmm. you know what I'm saying Mm mm-hmm Relationships are weird. (laughs) I think I've had a lot of 
relationships end in ways that I just would have not seen coming. And now I'm like on the edge of my seat waiting with a lot of my relationships. What do you think the um, purpose of that is? It's like, I wonder if I'm like supposed to learn how to not do that. <laughs> like how to understand that I, I don't have control over how someone um, lives their life and necessarily like whether they want me in it or not. I'm trying to like release this idea that it has everything to do with me, like being mm. a bad person or doing things wrong. Cause I, I am very hyper aware of when I'm like snippy, like when I can be rude and just like, and then I hear myself and I'm like, why did you say that? Like, what the fuck was that about? Um, so I can be extremely, hard on myself in those moments because I'm just like if you really cared about this person why did you why did you do that why did you say that and because I've had people just want to leave my life it's hard not to look at yourself and say well you're easy to leave yeah yeah I've had to face that a lot with like getting past because I have abandonment um I have abandonment issues. I think one thing that's helped me is the idea of, um, and I've talked about this a lot, but like focusing on what somebody means to me and just acting on that just because it brings me joy. However, it's taken, I don't really care, you know, but just like, if I feel like, like giving somebody if just cause I like, I'm like, great it's just an expression of my love, you know, it doesn't have to be like, I don't know. I feel like it just takes the weight off of how I'm perceived and it's just operating from a place of like, uh, I don't know. I don't know how to explain that. Are but you yeah. like put less expectations on to others? Less ex, yes. Less expectations. Um, less expectations and do things because I want to do them rather than like, Oh, I want them. I want to make sure they know this or like, I don't want them to think this or let me do this just in case. I, like, no, I just do things when I feel because I genuinely want to, and I don't care what happens after that. I'm just going to do what makes me happy. And that's something that makes me happy. I love that. But can I counter? Go for it. What if you inherently are a bad friend to someone else? Like from some from your friend's perspective, the things that you do or don't do make you a bad friend. Well, I would hope then they would communicate that to me um, because I wouldn't know that unless it's it's communicated. And if they don't communicate that, then I can't really do anything. 
But then do you feel like, okay, so say, say you never text back Mm -hmm. and your friend is like, it makes me feel like you don't really care about me when you don't respond to my texts. Mm. And now you have this thing where you're like, oh, I have to make sure to text back because they don't like it. Okay. So I feel like that's a big thing, especially lately. I've had to distance myself from a lot of people um, because there are certain things, there are certain habits I have that bring me a lot of mental peace, such as taking time to respond, um, which before I would like respond to everything immediately. But then I think during COVID, it was like, wait a second, why am I like stressing myself out? If you need space, take some space. If they're your friend, they will understand, you know? And there are some people that will make snippy comments or something because they're used to me responding. And if I've told them multiple times where I'm coming from and I tell them like, I just don't have the capacity to respond right now. um, If that's not respected and I'm constantly feeling pressured, it's like, that's just not what I have to offer you. And I'm so sorry. Like, I just don't have the capacity to be present in the way you want me to. This is what I have to offer. And if that's not good enough, I completely understand. You know, we can you know, still remain in touch, but I understand that we may not be able to maintain the same kind of close relationship that we had before. You know, I understand that. Um, There are certain things where it's like just ways of living that I need to honor for myself. And if I feel too much like pressure to conform, it's immediately like we're on two different pages. Like, I feel like I have a lot of friends nowadays, like my main unit of people I feel like are people that just let me be me I let them be them like there's a lot of freedom to just like come and go like whatever um if somebody feels insecure they're gonna vocalize that and I'll reaffirm like no I love you very much I've just been like busy and in my little like cave by myself I will be emerging soon you know what I'm saying so if somebody's like insecure and we need to just talk about it real quick that's totally fine but it's different when people start like attacking me I don't like reactive um, yeah. things like that. So if there's, if they're being reactive, then it's like, you've got something you need to like handle with yourself. Yeah. You know? Yeah. It's like the snippy comments that get to you. And I think I've obviously perpetuated those in my own relationships as well. So it's just being aware of like, what's a need that I feel like I'm not getting. And then what's, you know, something that I'm, having so like high expectations on someone exactly that they cannot supply me and I can't be you know aggressive in that way and I think it always comes down to insecurity Mm -hmm. and it's really hard to just say I'm feeling insecure in our relationship when you don't do this or when you do this rather than like can't you just text back or like whatever it is it just feels like it's super simple for other people but for me in particular I think we're both the same I don't reply for a while (laughs) (laughs) and I am taking my sweet time with it and I would gladly affirm my friends that that doesn't mean anything as far as like what I'm feeling towards them and the care I have for them Mm -hmm. but it'll come out like from them in like this very like 
and that makes me reactive because mm. they're upset inherently. I think I think it's also like connecting to connecting to your intentions. You 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 know your intentions are pure. And sometimes that just like when you sit in that, like, I know I was not coming from a bad place. There is a misunderstanding here. Let's talk about it. Maybe we can find a compromise or maybe like I will try to begin expressing love and connection in a different way because this one just doesn't resonate with me. So I'll figure something else out, like sending a listening, like a real or I don't know, you know what I'm saying? Um, finding some sort of compromise that works for both of you. But I think as long as you are secure, like know where you're coming from, you're not coming from a bad place. And just because somebody's having a reaction doesn't mean that you are bad because that was not the intention. You know, a reaction is a reaction. There's something that triggers it. Um, yeah. And I think, yeah, talking about it is, is very important, but also again, it's like, you need to have the emotional maturity to be able to like regulate your own emotions. And sometimes even with, relationships you know like there's such a hyper focus on like one person or one group being everything and fulfilling all parts of your needs and whatever um where we have communities if you need a specific kind of affection that this person can't offer you go to this person or like you know what I'm saying like everybody has their strengths and weaknesses if you allow yourself to like expand out I feel like it starts fulfilling what you need fulfilled because there's not that hyper focus on one person doing it all totally yeah and I remember your episode on polyamory Mm -hmm. that really talked about that where it was like expecting all of your like romantic needs and and that specific category is just widely accepted here in America, especially, um, where it's just like, yeah, that's normal. Just every one person needs to fill every single <laughs> thing that ever happens. <laughs> and <laughs> I put a lot of pressure on my partner and vice versa to like be that everything for you. Um, and especially when I've gone through ebbs and flows with friendships, it's like, Sometimes I don't have a lot of friends and I'm like, I need you for everything. <laughs> and yeah. I have to watch my own. How I respond is everything. And I've been really working on that quite a bit and being in my own energy much more often and fulfilling my own needs and recognizing myself as one of the people I'm in a relationship with. Like, Mm -hmm. it's me and me till I die. Yeah, I think that's honestly been a big breakthrough for me. I think I've been exploring that a lot in this, in my current relationship, just because this is the first one since I started thinking about that, you know? Um, And it's come with its challenges, you know, where I am, like, having to kind of think about my abandonment issues all right my body has like a weird reaction get like a panic attack triggered or something but then we talk about it you know I think it's it's uncomfortable but I think having clear communication is just so important to I don't know it's when it comes to exploring new emotions there's like so much newness 
that you're feeling and it's hard to like navigate it but I feel like when you're able to put it into words and almost like brainstorm and expand upon it with other people you know it kind of clarifies things a little bit and sets like a um it just everything feels a bit more anchored yeah yeah it was like a couple of days after that podcast came out that I did a Reiki session and um my friend was just like your throat is all the fuck up like what is going on and I realized I really wanted to talk about polyamory with my partner, but it had never been something we ever talked about. And it was just like, it felt like, oh my God, I can't, <laughs> I can't physically do this. And I remember the moment when we were sitting, talk, like about to talk about it. And it felt so like, oh my God, I'm going to die. Like, I'm going to die. Kill me. <laughs> And like, as I started talking about it, I felt everything just like relax and let go. And I was like, damn, this really is the shit. Like <laughs> you really just have to talk about it. And the moment that you do, everything just becomes easier. Even if the response is not what you wanted, it's way better than you holding everything fucking right here. You're mm-hmm. killing yourself. It felt like I was literally killing myself. Yeah. Without saying something. It's like that's so yeah. fascinating. It's so weird. It's so weird how like our programming is like that, you know, where it's like you just can't, there's like a fear of how you're gonna be perceived and the fear of um I don't know. It's just it's just it's so it's so strange. I can't wait for the time where we can just all collectively like word vomit together and it's okay. Like if there's just this innate fear of rejection where it's like, I'm going to be rejected. I'm going to be killed. I'm going to be abandoned. And you know, it's just so weird how like loud that is, but I mean, it makes sense. Cause I feel like growing up, we're just taught from a young age, like, don't do this. You have to do this. Don't do this. You have to do this, you know? But it's so weird how that those like little things just stay screaming in the back of your mind. Mm-hmm. And we let them, <laughs> we, we listen yeah. to them. Yeah. And we are like convinced that they're for our highest good. We're like, yeah, this is something that I'm just going to hyper fixate on, but I'm not going to tell a soul about because <laughs> <laughs> it's too embarrassing. Or what if no one agrees? Or what if people think I'm weird as fuck? Yeah. Or what if I lose somebody over it? The what ifs are really what hold us back. Mm-hmm. Most things. Can I talk? Can we talk about a topic that's a little taboo? Mm-hmm. Can we talk about suicide? Yeah. Um. And I'm not sure what exactly I want to talk about, but I just want to talk about it. It's been on my head a lot lately. Not not that I'm myself feeling, I'm actually in a really great place right now, but I've just been (laughs) reflecting on it. Um, I've been reflecting on it a lot. It almost feels like this cultural, it's like this big no-no. I don't know. I feel like there's just so much like, social weight surrounding it but it's just a thing like we have I feel like in an effort for society to control how we handle things 
we've like demonized it or something like that. But in essence, that's not allowing movement to happen. So if people are feeling bad, they can't express that, you know? And I feel like I was lucky to, um, like my dad is, is very emotional and he went through, um, he went through a lot of times where he felt suicidal and growing up because I do have PTSD, there are a lot of, there's a high percentage of people with PTSD that commit suicide just because it's just a lot to handle, you know? So I have gone through many of that just because it's like, I'm tired of feeling reactive all the time. And luckily I had him where we could like have a conversation about it, you know, and we can, and I feel like that's so important, but there's so many people that don't have that. And like, I don't know. I just feel like we need to, I don't know. There's like this weird fear surrounding it. And I feel like we just need to talk about it more. Yeah. I, my biggest problem is that it's so like, just talk about it. Just tell somebody, just if you're feeling this, just like all you have to do is reach out. <laughs> but then when you say, I kind of feel like I want to die. People are like, Whoa. <laughs> whoa why no really and you're like okay well <laughs> thank you for the like open space for us to chat about this like why do i feel like it it's it's like society loves to say just talk about it just tell somebody but then when you tell somebody they're like oh my god that's too much like that's you know go see a therapist <laughs> yeah or it's like oh no don't do that or like i don't yeah, know it's, like it's, no that's too that's that's a crazy thing to do like you should probably just not <laughs> okay <laughs> um i most recently actually i was visiting home and i was with my dad and i know my dad has depression he's been vague about it mm -hmm. um and when he's struggling, he just like hides up in his room, doesn't speak to us. And I have it bad. Like, I don't know if I'm just very emotionally in tune with it, but I frequently want to die. Um, <laughs> and I, I was home and the rest of the fam, they were like, we want to go bowling. And I was like, I'm going to stay home. And so I was the only one home. And I was losing my fucking shit. I was just like weeping, mm -hmm. like pleading over and over again. Like if, like I was, it got really dark, but I was like, if manifestation is real, why can't I manifest myself to die? I would literally do that in high school all the time. Yeah. I was like, what's a way that I could like get yeah. killed? Yeah, or just like, boop. yeah, just uh, <laughs> like, how can I make this easy on my family, easier on my family than me, like committing suicide? So I would like, like visualize myself dying in a way that wasn't so like morbid and scary for everybody. And it was like later that night when I was talking with my stepmom and my brother and my sister-in-law and my dad wasn't around that I just like said it. I was like, I don't know if y'all have ever felt like this, but 
I frequently want to kill myself. I want to die. I want to just not be here anymore. This is a really difficult life that we're all living. And my stepmom was like, whoa, I've never felt like that. I've never even thought about that. That's so weird. And I was like, uh-huh. <laughs> I was like, okay. And then my sister-in-law was like, I've definitely felt like that. And I was like, okay, cool. Okay, cool. This is good. And then like we had this really deep conversation where my stepmom was like, once my kids are like 18, they're they're not my responsibility. I don't have to worry about them. And I was like, well, just so you know, my suicidal ideation didn't happen until I was 18. Like I was fine as a kid. I was like, I'm fine. No worries. Don't worry about me. Mm -hmm. Um, And then when I turned 18 was when it was getting really dark in my head. So I needed my parents probably the most when they had decided like, oh, they're 18. I don't have to worry about it. Yeah. And Nancy was like, because I've never experienced that. And I don't know what that's like. I just didn't even consider that that was something that you were dealing with. Mm. And now because she has dementia, she Mm. probably doesn't even remember the conversation that we just had. So it's not like something. Yeah. It feels like something that I'm going to have to keep bringing up. Yeah. But my brother has also was like, I don't feel that. I was like, okay. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) It's a weird thing because even um, when I, for a while, as I was like really, well, maybe like three years ago and then the time like years before, like, you know, saying back from that, um, there was a chunk of time where I kept getting triggered and I was tired of getting triggered um and it felt like I don't know what it was but it's almost like uh I I put a lot of blame on myself and so then I feel like I'm a terrible person and then I just need to like leave I just need to like go into the woods and die or something like that and I was talking to a friend of mine about it and he was like oh well you should just call the suicide hotline But then it's like every time I'm not somebody to ask for help ever. Like I'm somebody that will just like suffer in silence until like, you know, and I think too, like there is some more conversation about it where it's like, yeah, there are resources and people to reach out to. But I know for like, for me, there were many times (laughs) that like I was close and I was like, no, I would never (laughs) call anybody. I would not fucking dare call the suicide hotline. (laughs) And I know that that's not what you're supposed to say. Like there's so many things about like how great those resources are and I'm sure they're getting calls and I'm sure they're saving people. But I just know that inherently for me, I've never thought, I've never thought to say like, Hey, hey I'm thinking about killing myself like it doesn't feel right yeah maybe that's me maybe that's you I I was talking I've talked to a couple people who have like said something similar I think what's been really beneficial for me is 
being more vocal through the process or like having more conversations about it. Seeing that other people do feel like that. And when things get hard, I know there are people where I can like say things like that without them being like, that's a little much. Like, I think you need help. You know, it's like, no, let's talk about it. I think, yeah, yeah, talking about it at varying degrees or my boyfriend and I yesterday were having a conversation about the concept of suicide. And it's like, I'm feeling great. I'm like, happiest that I've been in a long time you know what I'm saying um and I think just having making space for conversations like that at all varying degrees of life you know I feel like begins removing the taboo where it's like even before getting there there's already like room for conversation about it yeah yeah it's been difficult with my current partner because he his best friend actually committed suicide Mm. And when we were like early into dating, I was somebody who would be like, I don't want to die. Like, I would just like say it like really like jokey. It's kind of, it's like, that's just kind of who I am. And he'd be like, you can't say that. Like, don't say that. Mm. Stop saying that. And I was like, you're going to have to let me say that. Like, obviously I want to be sensitive but I also want you to know that it's not like I'm saying it like it's a joke. I'm, I'm for real. Like, even though it sounds like it's not for real, it's not something that I'm just like, Oh, lol. Like, <laughs> I'm like, it is something that I have felt and have, you know, really had strong ideations for. And I will be completely honest with you. If it's like something that's really like imminent, but you need to let me just be able to say things that are scary mm-hmm. to you and scary to me. Like I'm yeah. not loving it. Like I don't <laughs> want to feel this, you know? So it's like a, a balance. It is when you have someone in your life who has experienced that because I haven't necessarily experienced that with someone close to me. So I don't know exactly what that feels like to lose someone in that way. Yeah. I just know what it feels like in my chest when it feels like, oh my God, I don't want to fucking be here anymore. Yeah. It's not necessarily that I want to off myself. Most often, it's not that I want to kill myself. It's that I don't want to be here anymore. Mm-hmm. And I, those feel like very different things, mm-hmm. even though they're the same. Like people lump them into the same thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I feel that. Like I said, yeah, I used to like, uh, I would go to my dad's every other weekend. He had me. Um, and like, there were times that I'd be on the couch, like crying and just like praying that I could just like, my soul would just be like, okay, we're good, you know? uh yeah but like I thought I would mm-hmm. die young I would just put mm-hmm. that into the universe I was like I'm just gonna die before it gets too hard mm-hmm. like I just used to say that like in my 20s I was like I'm gonna die before I'm 30 for sure like let's just make this easy on myself that's interesting what bothers me I mean and I I understand it but there's also a lot of like religious stuff where it's like people that kill themselves go to hell or there's like all of this weight on it which again mm -hmm. 
which again I understand it's almost like trying to set rules that like this is not right don't do this but by having it fear-based again I feel like it just creates more separation and alienation um and it's really sad because I'll get a lot of clients that are worried that like if a loved one had killed themselves that they're just like like doomed to be in this like eternal torture and it's like no they're great they're good they're like hanging around like that you know what I'm saying um yeah that really bothers me yeah I mean it's it's the same thing as like prison basically here they use prison as like a fear tactic to make you do the right things yeah um and that's what hell is they're like just do the right thing and you'll go to heaven and killing yourself is definitely not the right thing (laughs) it's like there really isn't anything you can do unless it's like i actually wonder how you feel about this is there anything you can do that is like you'll be damned (laughs) if you choose to damn yourself yes Mm interesting like there are people that are like mass murderers that hold a lot of guilt and so then when they die they're in their own hell but that is their doing because taking responsibility or processing through that guilt is overwhelming so they Mm. they don't you know um but that that is a choice so do you feel like because of the perpetuation that suicide is damning you to hell that there are some people who would commit suicide and feel so guilty Mm -hmm. they would because of how our society has portrayed it absolutely which is the fucking worst yeah what i've noticed though is usually when somebody Somebody may have guilt, but usually they just feel so much better. There's so much more relief that that's usually not the case. There, like I said, could be a little bit of guilt, which is keeping their energy slightly heavier. So they're not able to fully pass over, but it's not like necessarily like earthbound in this, like, you know what I'm saying? Like, yes, that does happen. But I feel like for a majority of them, even if there is weird stigma, they just feel so much better where they, it just helps them process stuff you know yeah and I guess there is like a world where you hear that and if someone is considering suicide they're like oh I could feel so much better which is why I was really nervous about bringing this up because I feel like it can be a really sticky topic but I feel like that fear isn't gonna help anything and that's why I want to talk about it yeah oh yeah I'm like totally for it I just wonder if there is that I think that is why people don't want to talk because Mm. it's like it could go either way and Mm -hmm. why our friends are like maybe talk to a therapist maybe just call this because they're like I don't want to say something that will cause something to happen you know what that brings up something um a friend of mine struggles with depression and I was always scared they would lean on me a lot and it was too much for me this was when I was like 16 so I didn't really have boundaries I was very empathic and was just taking it all in so it was fucking me up and I was talking to somebody who was like he's like my big brother 
at the time. Um, and I was basically talking to him about it because I felt like if I didn't answer the phone and talk to my friend and they killed themselves, it would be my fault. And he said that nothing is ever your fault. Like it is always their decision. If he said, like, if I went to a bar, he was married. If I went to a bar and hit on some girl and had sex with them, that's not her fault. That's my fault. I made a choice and I followed through with whatever decision. There could have been things that like helped sway me to that. Like if he had gotten in a fight with his wife or something like, yeah, sure. But it's still his choice, you know? And I think especially when it comes to topics like suicide or whatever, it's important. You can't help anybody if you are down in the hole with them, you know? And I think one, it's okay to say like, I don't have the capacity to like, I don't know what to do. And I can't like, like, this is a lot for me. I think that's okay to say, you don't have to just like screw yourself up because you feel this responsibility. And at the same time, if you do talk to somebody, I think connection and collaboration is most important, you know, and if they choose to go through with it, it's not your fault. It's always, it's their decision, you know? And I think even with this conversation, I think there's like, in terms of like religious beliefs and stuff surrounding it, you know, it's all a form of control. And I think even with the fear of like, I wanted, I was actually thinking about bringing this up yesterday, but I was kind of nervous about it. And it's like, even that feels like a fear of control. Cause it's like, or it's a, uh, I want to control out of fear because it's like, Oh, well, what if, what if it's not received? Well, what if this happens? What if people say, you know, but it's like, you can't, people are going to take whatever they take out of every, like whatever, you know, you cannot control that. And like the constant alienation of the topic, I think just has to go. It's weird too, because I feel like it's something that so many, well, I know I've thought about a lot, but it's like speaking about it publicly, even though not like it's just you and I, you know, but still it's like, I don't even know where to start. Yeah. I, it's not something that I'm especially like, I feel like on online, my internet platforms, I'm extremely just like professional. Like I keep it really like, I'm a dance teacher. Here's what I do. Like I mostly talk about what I do, post about what I do. And like, I'll share my dogs, my relationship and my friends, but nothing vulnerable. Like I'm pretty closed mm. when it comes to my like public persona, which I don't know if I did that on purpose or if I literally don't know how to bridge the gap Mm. or if I don't want to, I don't know. I do think I have like, because I have followers that aren't just friends, it is like, I don't know how much I'm willing to share of myself. Yeah. In that regard. Yeah. I'm wondering if that also draws back to dance in a way, because there's this hyper focus on how you look and how you present yourself. I think that's something that I've really had to get over. I'm a human being. I am messy. Just go for it. Like nothing, not everything has to be this like perfectly curated, you know, because that's not who I am. Like I'm very clumsy. I can be a mess. you know like I'm like able to be really like goofy and ridiculous and kind of like all of those aspects of myself but it's the darker stuff that I 
Mm. And like, I'm worried I won't say it in exactly the right way. Or I'm worried that someone will, yeah, misconstrue what I say. Because I, they have in the past. I've been yeah. on the internet for a long time. <laughs> it's like, well, how, how did you get that from what I said? <laughs> so now I'm like hyper aware of how I'm saying things. And yeah, I just kind of closed myself off to talking about mental health or, you know, all that shit. <laughs> so much easier on a podcast though, huh? This really just like comes right out (laughs) and then it gets posted and you're like did I say everything that I needed did I mean to say that for so many episodes since the relationship one I feel like I was just like okay the boundary's gone I'm just gonna spill out and so it's like I just I don't I feel like for me to just not be like, oh man, I just don't look at them. Don't let, you know, just like they happened. Don't have to open that box again. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I actually did notice a shift in your podcast since that episode. I think because I was so hyper-focused on, I am a spiritualist. <laughs> this is what, you know what I'm saying? Then it was just kind of like, I'm just a fucking human being. <laughs> yeah. let's talk about the podcast does that i swear it opens the door to like (laughs) i have to be vulnerable otherwise what's the point of this Mm. i can't just present myself as this like perfect professional yeah and i feel like there's such a hyper focus on like especially with social media again everything's like perfectly curated this is like all the best parts of life that we're presenting we're complex beings we go through so much and Just with my experience of like even healing with trauma, the most healing I've done has been through conversing with people that are willing to be vulnerable with me and share their own things. You know what I'm saying? Like Mm -hmm. that is where the magic is, not seeing somebody be like, I'm free of trauma for all of these steps, (laughs) (laughs) you know? Yeah, for sure. Yeah, like teaching every Sunday, um, there was, I think it was last Sunday, I was absolutely exhausted. I was just drained as fuck. And I came on and I was like, how's everybody feeling? Like I was like trying to be, you know, peppy. And everybody was like, I'm tired. I'm like, you know what? Me fucking too, y'all. Like, <laughs> and I think I was like, we'll see what happens, but I don't know if it's going to be ballet. Like if this is your first class with me, just know it's not always like this. And like, I was just very, <laughs> right. And we did like, three combos and then I was like how would everybody feel if we just cooled down now (laughs) (laughs) if we spent like 40 minutes straight up cooling down and just meditating at the end and everybody was like hell yeah I was like this is great and at the end everybody was like this is exactly what I needed and I was like I could have faked it and been this like professional teacher vibe and just done what all the teachers I know do which like I never knew if my teacher was having an off day Mm -hmm. ever. (laughs) And I'm like, I think I'm just going to be a different type of teacher. I just want to be honest. The very, very, very rare times I had any kind of teacher express any sort of emotional thing and just like give a heads up to the class that like, hey, you know, whatever. There's such a beautiful connection where it's like you guys, like it's just a deepening of stuff. And that doesn't mean like every class obviously doesn't be like, oh man, you know, like (laughs) 
yeah there needs to be balance but i think just honoring the fact that like we're human beings and we feel things that's why we're here and those things can suck and they can be really good and they can be like just incredible or funky you know there's like such a wide range why are we just hiding it all like let's talk about it and like especially for kids it's just providing a solid example that like you do not always have to be on it's always better to honor how you're feeling emotionally no matter what your job is and I think that even goes back to dance where you're trained to like dance through injury. Like if like somebody's yelling at you and putting you down and it's like, it doesn't matter. Like you better suck it up and do it anyways. There's so much disregard for what we're feeling. Um, there was a client that I just spoke to. Um, we were talking about motherhood and I really loved her view on it, but she was saying how she doesn't hold a traditional approach to motherhood she views like a new soul coming into the world as this being that has all the guides that has their path that has their purpose they have everything they need she's just here to help them remember and I loved that approach so much you know because that's the truth there's this beautiful little soul coming with all this like whole package of things you know and they just need an environment to be able to like navigate that um yeah I just love that yeah yeah, how we treat kids is really crazy. It's like I was watching a, a dad outside of a store um, with his son. And he was just like, he was just like, I've told you to calm down like six times. Like, why are you still bouncing off the wall? And I was like, would you ever speak to your friend that way? Mm. Like if they were feeling chaotic and just like, yelling about something would you just be like calm down calm down like over and over again without trying to like go at it a different way <laughs> you know what I mean? you wouldn't do that also so like, it's like if somebody if somebody doesn't remember something <laughs> would you keep bringing up the past if they're suffering mm-hmm. from it doesn't make sense because they don't remember they don't know better my friend actually suffered from amnesia did I tell you this story I don't think so in college I had a friend who um she had a soccer accident and she knocked her head on the on the grass and was rushed Uh to the ER and the like three days before that I had just been hanging out with her like every day we were I was like sleeping over at her dorm we were just like going to do all of these like random activities and so I rushed to the hospital and when I walked in she sang like my YouTube theme song because like she always called me like her famous friend <laughs> and I only had like 8,000 subscribers but whatever um, and she was like <laughs> was my theme song and her mom looked at me and looked at Aisa and was like do you know this person and Aisa was like yeah that's Ava like that's my favorite friend Ava and I walked in and we she immediately like was like recapping all of the days that we had just spent Mm. together and she was like yeah we just did this and we just did this and I was like hell yeah like (laughs) you got it (laughs) And her mom was like, can I speak to you out in the hallway? 
and pulled me out in the hallway and was like, she doesn't remember any of her family. She doesn't remember me. So she didn't know her mom and she only knew me by that point. And she was like, we're really concerned. Like, we don't know what's going on. And I was like, that must be really scary. Like, (laughs) that must be crazy. But I remember I stayed there for like two days and her mom just kept bringing in extended family member after extended family member. I was like, look, it's your aunt. Look, here's your uncle. And Aisa was like, panic attacks every time because she didn't recognize any of these people. And I was just like, this can't be the, this can't be the way. (laughs) This can't be right. How you're going about this just doesn't feel good to me because she's panicking at every person you're bringing in. Uh, It's just so weird to me, like how they just expect or they want it to be some way that it's not. Yeah. And I feel like fighting, like that's usually coming from some sort of like fear or, you know, there's an imbalance happening and like the more that you like panic in that and react in that, the more you bring about it. Like she's just going to panic more, which is not going to make her even remember, like it's going to disconnect her even more like with the kid that's going crazy. If you just tell them a hundred times, like, stop, stop, you know, they're just going to be like, <laughs> yeah, like, you know, like, it just makes you're chaos. not giving them tools because you want to control the narrative. <clears throat> yeah. When it's out of your control, pretty much entirely. Mm-hmm. I'm like, a kid is going to do what a kid is going to do. And I think we have this way of being like, but I'm the authority. But I'm the one that's like coherent in this moment. So I should be the one to tell this person how it's going to be. Yeah. With amnesia or whatever, there's, <clears throat> there are multiple methods of approaching any issue. And you can get the, like, outcome you're looking for. Like, with a crazy kid, it's like, well, what do they need? What Do you want to go on a run? Like, let's just go outside real quick and run around the block. <laughs> you know, then mm-hmm. they'll calm down. <laughs> I just yeah. feel like we as a society we're like not ready to cater toward kids because they're beneath us Mm. and we look at them as less than adults same with pets as well Mm. just like if your dog is like barking incessantly it's just like shut Mm -hmm. up stop and it's like that's not working (laughs) (laughs) not gonna work (laughs) i don't know what to tell you I'm not saying there is a solution every time either, yeah. but it's like how you react and respond. Mm-hmm. That's everything. Yeah, absolutely. Is there anything else before we go? Yes. How can I invite the spirits in? What if I like right. want them to just appear? Yeah, you just ask them. All right. You heard that then. <laughs> The thing is, is it's, they won't necessarily appear if you aren't ready for it. So if you're like, hey, <laughs> don't mess up, <laughs> but you're like, eyes are closed, you know, then you can't. I'm ready, I swear. <laughs> <laughs> it's like riding a roller coaster. And you're like, yeah, 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 I'm in. <laughs> okay. So, um, yeah, so the first thing is just welcome, welcoming them in, but then fostering a, uh, fostering a relationship. So if you feel something or you see something, 
like tune into that and try to sense like who it is, why it happened, what their energy feels like, just like engage more with your environment. Naturally, then it'll start amplifying and then you'll start like seeing more, um, especially in your peripherals. But you have to like, especially when it's like light beings, they don't want to like... <laughs> like run across <laughs> you know they're going to tiptoe in to make sure you're comfortable so to foster that you just mm-hmm. want to also be like no I'm in like who are you let's talk about it like yeah I do feel like I've been seeing things out of the corner of my eye that's good oh yeah you've we've talked about this before you've been saying that for mm-hmm. a while yeah mm-hmm. yeah I would tune into them um I would tune into them a little bit more like tap into who they are, why they're there and stuff, talk to them, invite them to like, I don't know, just to like invite them to, oh, can you turn the light on? Or, you know, even if they don't, just like give invitation for new outlets, mm-hmm. you know? And then when something does happen, try not to be like, oh, that was just an electrical issue. Like honor that they're trying to help you. Yeah. Because your screen has glitched like so many times. I don't know if you know. Oh, really? I wonder if it'll be in the recording. I was just about to say that when um, I used to do videos with Ivory, we would get a lot of EVPs. And I've been secretly hoping that I will catch one in one. Maybe this is the one. (laughs) I've seen it like at least four times. So I just didn't say anything. You were in in the middle of talking. But we'll see. Watch like this whole conversation just be like something whispering and like the audio can't even be used. <laughs> you gotta tell me. <laughs> this All is right, fun. Friend, this is so much fun. Thanks for chatting. I love you so much. Okay, love you too. Bye. Bye. Thank you so much, Ava, for joining me. This was so much fun. This was such a wonderful conversation. I really appreciate you getting vulnerable with me and diving deep and talking about things that many people don't feel comfortable talking about. Um, I hope you got something out of it as a listener. I hope it just brings your mind and heart a little bit of peace or just gives you a safe space to start exploring Um, your own opinions about things and perhaps things that you've been scared of addressing. So I hope it offered you some sort of light in some way. I'm sending you all so much love. Until next time, my friends. Thank you so much for listening to Diary of a Psychic Medium with me, Amber Amrine. To learn more about me, my work, and such, you can visit channelwithamber.com or follow me on Instagram at channelwithamber. A special thank you to Unicorn Heads for my theme song, A Mystical Experience. See you next time.